0: For mothers today. And we use this today because we continue in the second message of our series through the gospel of Matthew. So if you're just joining us now, you get to start right where we are in the first chapter of Matthew, and we'll continue um, for the next 28 to 30 weeks or so going through Matthew. So join us and be a part. Today, let's begin in our reading, Matthew chapter 1, verse Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May God give us understanding in this text that we read and preach through this morning. We will have a word of prayer. And then our choir will come with special music and then the preaching of God's word today. Please remain standing with me as we join together in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, for allowing us to be here today. Thank you for giving us opportunity to acknowledge and recognize the great role of mothers in our lives. We thank you especially for godly mothers who have sacrificed to um, raise their children To give them all that they could afford, both physically and spiritually. We thank you for the sacrifice, Lord. We honor the ladies here today who have done that. We pray for those who will be mothers to be. And we pray, Lord, that you would just continue a generation of godly boys and girls that grow up to be men and women, fathers and mothers. Lord, we pray that that generation might continue, that mothers might be faithful and true because you are faithful and true. Out of every generation, you have called people to yourself. Your word has continued, and we thank you for your promise kept, and you've used mothers again and again and again. And Lord, the world today does not value motherhood. They do not value family as you value. But I pray, Lord, that we might understand and value that, might appreciate it. We might long to be parents that point our children to you, parents that um, lead by example and show them what it means to, to love you, to trust you, to live for you, to walk with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just bless our mothers here today. Bless this church, bless this service today, bless mothers who could not be here today. We think of Sister Bonnie Dick, and we pray continuing, continue healing for her and her body, encouragement in her spirit. And we, we think of Bill as well, who is here today, thanking you, Lord, for him. I ask you to continue to bless, encourage him Um, in the challenge, um, support that you've given him to be today. Now, we just thank you for, again, for this opportunity. Pray that you bless this service, that all might be done for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated. Last week we talked about our introduction to the Gospel of Matthew, some of the uniquenesses of this Gospel, and the themes that run throughout the Gospel. One of the themes throughout Gospel is that this Jesus, this presenting Jesus, it shows us his life, and it shows us his teaching. And it does that with the purpose of of. Explaining to us and pointing to us this Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise. This is the one whom God had promised throughout the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament points to God's promise to deliver his people. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, they fell into sin, they could not provide the own remedy for sin. God would himself provide that remedy, and he has forever pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this person now has come and appeared on earth. And Matthew, as the writer of the gospel, is basically saying, I want you to see this one who lives among us, who is, his name is Jesus, but he is the fulfillment of everything that God has promised. He's going to save his people from their sins. And so Matthew takes the pain to to, uh, tell us the story of how Jesus was born how he came to earth. And he simply says the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. He wants us to know how it happened and he's going to describe it in such a way. Let me just point right to the end. In verse 22, he says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. In other words, he's saying this little baby that was born is the one. He is the one. He's the one that fulfills everything Everything that God said in the Old Testament, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one. That's what Matthew is doing. That's what Matthew is doing. He says, let me tell you why his birth makes that clear. How is the birth of Jesus, the way that he was born, how does that point to him as a fulfillment of God's promise? That's what Matthew is answering here. He says, first of all, it took place when his mother Mary. Now, Matthew is, we'll get into this when we get into chapter 9. Matthew worked in his occupation as a tax collector. He's a money person. Money people tend to be very specific in their actions in their language. I got a letter from the bank a couple weeks ago that said I I didn't pay something that they expect me to pay and so they gave me this official letter and I looked at it didn't know what it was and said this is crazy I don't owe anything here and but when a bank sends you a statement (laughs) they have something very specific in mind they're not just calling to say hi mr. Kenner how you doing we got to have you as one of our customers. We remember you. We don't forget you. You have a special number with us. No, they weren't doing that. Matthew is specific here. He says, this is how Jesus came as a, as a, as a, as a finance guy, as a money guy. Matthew says his mother, Mary, but he never says his father, Joseph. He says this is how he was born. When his mother Mary troth to Joseph. Not that word but trough, we've talked about several times and it's a reminder uh, just like uh, we, we talked about the reminder of how God last week of how God emphasizes family and commitment to family. This is a reminder of the culture that the Jews had, that Jesus was born in, that emphasized commitment to family again. His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal, the betrothal, was a period of time when two usually young individuals were committed to each other in marriage. And they had agreed to be married to each other, and yet the marriage hadn't taken place. So we we, uh, uh, relate that to, to engagement today. Two people say uh, they vow to marry, and so they give a ring. And that ring means that, that they're going to be, they're going to commit to each other for marriage and then for life. Betrothal was very similar to that, but it was much more meaningful than even that. It was a legal bound contract that they made with one another looking forward to marriage. So it says Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And then it says something else very important, before they came together. What does that mean? It means before they had intimate, physical relationship, before they had any sexual, intimate relationship, this is what happened. It tells us something about the commitment to marriage. Let me just speak for just just for a moment. People today say, well, you know, Pastor, I want to get married, but I think I ought to try her out first. I think we ought to live together for a while and see how we're going to act under that kind of thing. Women buy that too, which I'm amazed. Yeah, we're just going to try this thing out first. First of all, that's not God's way. And it's not God's way for a good reason. It's not good for you. It's not a healthy relationship. If that man does not want to commit to you for life, there ain't no trial period. What you trying? And how are you trying it? Because you're not trying a commitment Because if it was a commitment, it would be one. There wouldn't be no questions asked. What you're trying to do is, if we like the way this goes, we get married. If we don't like it, we won't. That's not a commitment. That's not a commitment. So you're not finding out anything about that person. They're saying, hey, if you're cool, I'll be cool. If you ain't, I'm gone. That's not a commitment. It says here, before they had any kind of physical connection, they made a commitment. And that's what they did. But while they were committed to each other and abstaining from any sexual relationship, Joseph found out something. His woman was pregnant. And he knew it wasn't him. That's important to this story because it tells us something about Jesus that we need to know. First, let me just put it simple. Jesus was not the son of Joseph. Joseph knew that and Mary knew that. The gospel writers wanted all the world to know that. Why? Not because of just the purity of Jesus. Yes, that, that's significant. But that is important because a little note in the Old Testament said that would happen that way. A little note said a virgin is going to conceive, and this is going to be a special birth. This is not just the usual birth. I don't know how many people on, on the world today. It's in the billions And each one of us are born in the natural way. This child, Jesus, was not born, was not conceived in that natural way. And yet he was a natural child. He was a real 100% human being. And Matthew tells us how that happens. It says, she was found pregnant, or to be pregnant, not by Joseph, but from the Holy Spirit. Now, how did she know this, and how did Matthew know this? And how are we to know this? Well, the story tells us more detail that we can be certain of. First of all, we see the reaction of her husband. He didn't understand. It says, her husband, verse... Verse 19, her husband Joseph, now it's interesting, he uses the term husband, it could be for several reasons. As Matthew writes this story, he sees them as they later became married, which they weren't at the time, makes it clear, they weren't at the time when she conceived a child, they were not married. They were betrothed to each other. And they had not had any sexual relationship, but they were not married. They were committed to marriage. The other thing that can show us there is the betrothal period was very much seen simply as a precursor to marriage. An important step in marriage, but not yet marriage, but very, very, very strongly like marriage. They were bound or committed to each other that strongly. So strongly that if they were to break that commitment, they needed to do it legally. And that's why Joseph was pondering this next step. He's saying to himself, this woman that I'm committed to for marriage is going to have a baby and it's not mine. What should I do? It says in the next verse, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, the word just there means he's a righteous, God-honoring, godly individual. And he's thinking these things over. And because he's godly, he's not trying to put her to shame. What does that mean? Well, just what we think it would mean. You know, we would react and get mad because we think she's done, she's she made me look bad. I'm committed to her, but she ran off with somebody else. And I'm going to let everybody know what kind of person I think she is. Joseph pondered and could have reacted that way but him being a righteous man he said even if that's true I'm not gonna act like that amen for that what good does it do you to act ugly because somebody else you thought acted ugly it doesn't right the situation he says he's a just man he thought about what his proper response and that tells us something about responding We, we are responsible for our response, for how we react to things. You may not be able to control what is acted on you, but you can control how you react to it. And you're responsible for that. Joseph took that responsibility seriously. He says, I'm not going to just go off. Let me think about this. Let me ponder. What's the right thing to do here? and what way should I do this right thing? So apparently... It says here, as he considered these things, and the, the first word I think is very important, but, verse 20. I like how God interjects in our lives. He steps into our lives, and, and we see that by that word, but. He thought on these things, but while he was thinking something happened. In other words, if you, if you give the opportunity, you're looking for God's direction, he steps in in ways you may not expect. That's what happened in Joseph's life. God stepped in. You have room for God to step into your life. You leave space when you don't understand something for God to work in ways that you may not be able to figure out. Isn't that what faith is? Isn't that what trusting God is? God, regardless of how bad a situation is, I'm going to go your direction. And respond the way you want me to respond. As he considered these things, God stepped in. How did he step in? An angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now that is an unusual act. We're fascinated by angels because we don't see them much in scripture at all. There's not a lot of interaction with angels, and we we do see them. It's something pretty profound, something amazing. They, They are God's agents or messengers. We don't even understand them. All we do is go, wow, when we encounter them. And this is one of those moments. God sends an angel, so something great, something big is happening here. This angel speaks to Joseph in a dream. I, I don't know why it's a dream. It's like their the reality of them is so huge, maybe so intoxicating. Maybe that's the word I'll use. It's, it's just, it's, we're in such awe, we don't know if we're in our right mind or not. And that's what Joseph was. God spoke to him through an angel. And this is what he said. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. He steps in and speaks to Joseph and he addresses him as the son of David. You know from verse 1 in this chapter, Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham. The writer is making it clear, this link between Joseph now and Jesus And we note that Joseph is not the biological father, but he provides the lineage to all of Mary's children, and so to Jesus himself. He says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That's an interesting phrase because angels often say that as their first words. (laughs) When when they encounter a human being, hey, Chill, man, chill. I I, I ain't going to hurt you. (laughs) Don't fear to do what I'm going to tell you to do. And he tells Joseph, don't hesitate, don't fear to, to go ahead and marry this woman. Why? Because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So the reason why we know that Mary conceived this way is because God gave us insight through the message of an angel that the gospel writer records that tells us from the mind of God, from the view of what was going on there, what happened. The other gospels share in this. In fact, in, in Luke, we see the angel interacting with Mary herself and, and giving her this same message. But it's given to Joseph, it's given to Mary. Here it's given to Joseph, and, and Joseph is, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's an eye-opening thing. This is, this is something God is doing. This is something marvelous. This is bigger than you, Joseph. This is bigger than Mary. This is something God is introducing, something God is doing. It's interesting that we, we do this passage on Mother's Day. Here we have a mother, Mary, but her story, as big as it is, she's in the background of all of it. You notice that? She doesn't have any direct action here in this passage, and everything that happens is happening to her. She has conceived by virtue of the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to this child, but it's it's. It's, it's her acting in the background. Mothers, you need to know that this is often that space that you operate in. God is not shunning you. He is giving you a job. And often God gives big jobs in, in unseen or shady places that everybody doesn't see until the results are done. And in other words, it takes faith to do that. You won't see a sure end to all of your results. You have to work by faith. So Mary is, is, is that kind of a, a person acting in, in, in this picture. And she is faithful. She's obedient to God. But she's actually kind of behind the scenes in this whole story. And so are you. But your role is significant and important. <laughs> because you prepare the mind. You teach that individual, that child, what his, how he's going to think uh, and how he's going to relate and connect with God. You are the one showing him that and demonstrating that to him day by day. How important that is. The angel here talks with Joseph. In Luke, he talks with Mary, but here he talks with Joseph. And he says, Joseph, don't fear to go ahead and marry this woman because she's pregnant, yes. It's not your doing, we know that. It's not anybody else doing, but God. God has miraculously stepped into this whole situation and has done something that has never been done before. But what's the motto? Why should Joseph remember, why should Joseph even believe this? He says, well, first, here's what I want you to do, Joseph. He says, I want you to marry this woman. Go ahead and marry her. She's going to bring forth this child. And I want you to call his name Jesus. Because that's his mission. The word Jesus is explained here. He will save his people from his sin. In the Old Testament, it's, it's the word Joshua. The word, in, in the Old Testament, Joshua means Jehovah saves. God saves. God saves through this one, Jesus. And so the message is coming to Joseph that, look, you are going to marry this woman. She's going to have this child. And you're going to name this child Jesus because that's his purpose. He's going to save his people from their sin. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. In other words, God orchestrated all of this as a part of his promise and completing his promise from all of the Old Testament. From Genesis, from the start of that, all the way to, to, to Malachi, the prophet. He has been pointing to this Jesus, and all this is the fulfillment of his promise. The whole point here is God keeps his promise. And Jesus is that keeping of the promise of God. And then he points out, this is what I said about this situation. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel, you know, means God with us. And so Jesus is this. He is the very God that has come out of heaven to be with his people. He is Jehovah who saves and delivers his people, not just from their their adversaries, their political adversaries, but from their sin. That's who this Jesus is. Notice what the prophet said. This took place... To point to the truth. This just took place. What, what was going to take place? Three things. The virgin will conceive. That's unique. A virgin will conceive. A woman who had not had physical relationships with a man will actually conceive and have a child. That's unnatural. It's supernatural. It's a thing of God. God's going to bring that about. This virgin that conceives will bear a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. In other words, God is going to come in a human form and be among his people and save his people. That's the promise from the Old Testament. This is the one who completes that promise. Matthew wants us to see that. He wants us to know that. Let's look at, I think, a great application for us is Joseph's response to all of this. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, can you imagine that? You wake up from sleep, and he said, wow, did I just dream that? In other words, is that a part of my imagination or is this real? Is God really telling me something here? Well, Joseph took it seriously. It says, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Now, what shows Joseph's faith? What did he do? When you believe God, it's not just saying yes, 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 and then you walk out and do whatever you want to do. When you actually believe God, your actions show it. How did Joseph's actions show his true belief? He didn't divorce Mary. In fact, he married her. And not only that, after they were married, they did not have any physical, intimate sexual relations until after the baby was born. That's what the Bible tells us. In other words, Joseph believed God and he obeyed God specifically down to the letter. It tells us when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commander. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth. Why was that significant? Why was that important? If they were married, they obviously had the right to engage in that intimacy of sex. That's a privilege for those who are married. That was their privilege to have. They denied themselves of that privilege so that the word of God might be clear as to who was the father of this Jesus. That's what was important. The message of the gospel was important. There was going to be a time to consummate that marriage. God expected them to, but to wait until after the child was born so God's testimony would be clear. You see, God has many good things for us in our life. But the first is our obedience to him and our commitment to him. That's a hard thing he told Joseph to do. He said, Joseph, I want you to go back. And I want you not to divorce this woman. And people gonna look, your family's gonna look at you like you crazy. Dude, you see she's pregnant. What you mean you ain't the daddy? An angel told you what? You still committed to her? Are you nuts, man? Is that how I raised you? You see, he had to deal with that, but that's what walking with God does. It means we will obey God and ignore all the noise that's on the outside. People who think they know what's happening and tell you they know what's happening when they don't. Joseph said, look, I agree to obey what God said through an angel. What do you mean an angel came to you in the middle of the night and told you this? I can imagine Joseph said, look, man, have you lost your senses? Don't you know what the word of God says? Don't you know what his prophecy says? Don't you see this lining up with it? They didn't care about that. I would imagine some folks would not care about that. Joseph believed God, and his whole life was showing that. It's interesting that Joseph is not mentioned much in all of the Bible except in this early stage in Jesus's life. In fact, when we come to the cross, Matthew points this out, there's all the Gospels. There's a big emphasis on people who were there at the cross and Mary is one of them as the mother of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself speaks to Mary and about Mary on the cross, asking his his, his disciple John to take care of her, since he himself would not be there to take care of her anymore. And John agrees to do that. Nothing is said about Joseph at all. We can suppose from that, and history will point out, that Joseph probably died Early on, the last time we mentioned Joseph, and we see it in Matthew, is when Jesus was in the temple at the age of 12. And we see both Mary and Joseph heading back uh, to to Nazareth after they came down to Jerusalem. We don't see him or hear of him anymore. And yet, when we do see him here in Matthew, he's a righteous, godly man who obeyed God. So we suppose that the details of his life was not shared in scripture, but he passed away in some manner. That probably would have put more responsibility on the oldest child, Jesus, of all of their children to care for his mother, to care for his, his um, siblings. But we're not told all of that detail. My point is this, Joseph had a role. And he's not talked a lot about or any after this role in Scripture, but he was faithful to that role. Application to you mothers, (laughs) you have sometimes what's considered a thankless job, but it is still vitally important. It is vitally important. It's Satan that tries to to propagate this idea that it's thankless. In other words, that it's it's not worthy of anything. But it is in God's sight. Just because people don't see it and, and applaud you for the job that you do doesn't mean that God does not recognize it and see it. Joseph was faithful and his act of obedience shows his faith. He, in essence, says it doesn't matter how people look at me. Like I said, you could say people were saying, man, Joseph, you're a fool. This woman played you like a drum, and she's still playing you. He said, no, I know what God has said. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to follow him. He followed Him to the T. He married Mary. They remained pure in their intimacy until she, after she had gave birth. And he, he obeyed God in this way. He called the child Jesus. He called the child Jesus. I don't know what legal thing he had to go through to do that, to say, hey, I am not the natural physical father, but I am the legal father of this child. And I will name him as I was directed by God because God had told me what's going on here. The point in all of this is God keeps his promise. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 1, the first part of it. We see that God kept his promise in, in essence in spite of the sinfulness of man. We, we, we talked about all the, the odd pairings and the, the, the individuals that show up in that genealogy and, 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 and the sinfulness that showed up. We talked about uh, Tamar and, and Judah. We, uh, uh, you can see Rahab. Um, uh, you can see uh, David and, and, and uh, Bathsheba. You see all of that in this lineage. And we can say this is that God keeps his promise in spite of the sinfulness of man. In the first part of Matthew chapter 1, and then in the second part of Matthew chapter 1, we see God keeping his promises as a result of the obedience of godly people like Mary and Joseph. What's good to know is that God's going to keep his promise regardless. God is able to bring about his promise whether it's through our faithfulness or in spite of any faithfulness. God continues to keep His promise. That's the good news to us today is that this Jesus has become our Savior because God is committed to keeping His promise so that we will be connected to Him. God says, I'm going to make it happen. Regardless of what any and everybody else does, I am going to make this happen and He does. We are witnesses to that today because Jesus has Come to be our Savior. God has made it happen. We didn't believe in God because of some virtue that we have. We came to faith in God because God made it happen. And today you're hearing the gospel again because God has made it happen. God has given opportunity for us to respond to the gospel. God has made it happen. God has declared that he would bring his son into the world, into a sinful, broken world, so that his son would be the redeemer of mankind. God has made it happen. Just like he promised, he's done. God keeps his promise. God is calling us to worship him. To commit to him because he keeps his promise. Because he's true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything he has promised, he will do. (laughs) Praise God for this Redeemer that's presented in our gospel. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your faithfulness to your truth, whether... Men are obedient or disobedient. You're faithful to your promise. You didn't redeem us because we are so faithful. and We are so good. You redeemed us because we are so needy. And by your grace, you reached down to meet us where we were. We thank you that when we come and trust in you, we have responsibility to carry out this message. you cause us to be faithful so that others might hear it so you can work through the sinfulness of man and you can also work through the obedience and the faithfulness of your people we thank you that you do that you long to do that we pray Lord that our hearts might be like Joseph that we in those moments in our lives when we are unclear we will wait to hear an answer from you and when you speak clearly we will obey you Without any doubt or hesitation, help us to be faithful as you are faithful. Because you are faithful, we can, and we are expected to be faithful. So, Lord, speak to the heart of that one today that is draw, you're drawing to yourself to respond to your faithfulness by faithfulness, committing themselves to the Savior. to the Savior who didn't stop at anything to pay for our sin. We might be committed to him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.